0: Welcome, and thank you for joining us for this podcast episode from the Pulmonary Rehabilitation Assembly of the American Thoracic Society. Today, we'll be talking about self-management strategies for people with chronic pulmonary disease, such as COPD. I'm Rachel Tappan, a physical therapist and assistant professor at Northwestern University's Feinberg School of Medicine in the Department of Physical Therapy and Human Movement Sciences and in the Division of Pulmonary and Critical Care Medicine. Joining me today is Dr. Linda Nietzsche. Dr. Nietzsche is the chief of the pulmonary and critical care section at the Providence Veterans Administration Medical Center and professor of medicine at Brown University. Dr. Nietzsche has a long and impressive history in pulmonary rehabilitation. She's the medical director of the Providence VA pulmonary rehabilitation program, where she's done extensive research in COPD and pulmonary rehab, including research investigating the effects of self-management education in people with COPD, which is, of course, our topic for today. She's also made extensive contributions to the field of pulmonary rehabilitation. She was the inaugural chair of the Pulmonary Rehab Assembly of the ATS. She served in many roles in organizations related to pulmonary health, including on the board of directors of the American Lung Association of Rhode Island, the American Association of Cardiovascular and Pulmonary Rehabilitation, and the American Thoracic Society. I'm thrilled to get to talk to her today about self-management. Welcome, Dr. Nietzsche.
1: Thank you, Rachel. I'm delighted to be with you this morning.
0: Well, so let's get started then. Um, First, can you tell us what is a self-management intervention and how is it different than the education traditionally provided in pulmonary rehabilitation?
1: So self-management is a personalized multi-component intervention, and it's designed to engage, support, and motivate patients um, in order for them to adapt healthy behaviors and ways of better managing their chronic disease. Uh, The ultimate goals of self-management are to optimize and preserve physical health, uh, reduce symptoms and functional impairments, and improve health-related quality of life, mainly by increasing things like emotional well-being, social well-being. And in fact, when I say those things, the people that uh, do pulmonary rehab will find that those are very similar to our goals with pulmonary rehab. The process of self-management is, uh, is one of repeated interactions. So it's not a single intervention. It's usually a lifelong intervention because you're trying to help people formulate and reformulate goals. You want to continue to motivate that patient. You want them to have effective strategies um, that allow for adherence to healthy behaviors and, and uh, frankly, to sustain the benefits of pulmonary rehab. Um, it is, uh, it's different from pulmonary rehabilitation education, but education, learning, and self-management are really a continuum of processes that are necessary for behavior change. So when we think about um, What we do in pulmonary rehab, we are doing all of those things, but maybe at different times and in different ways. Um, If I can, I might just mention pulmonary rehabilitation education is also transforming in the last decade or so because we are really starting to learn about what adult learners need to be able to acquire knowledge, uh, incorporate that learning, and use that education to develop these successful self-management strategies.
0: Great. It sounds like the both pieces, the the ways that pulmonary rehab is going and the self management interventions really could have a nice synergistic effect in, in helping the whole person.
1: Absolutely. And I think that, you know, one will not be adequate without the other. So you need the knowledge. You need to acquire that knowledge in a, in a productive learning environment in order to be able to discuss with the, with the team what strategies I need to use as a patient to manage what is, you know, often a progressive and debilitating chronic illness.
0: You may have already partially covered this question, really, but I'm I'm hoping maybe you can expand on it a bit. Can you talk about why is it necessary to help patients improve their self-management skills? Why, Why is this so important in the first place?
1: So, you know, those of us in pulmonary rehabilitation know this well, that, you know, while the intervention is highly successful, if we look at those patients out months and years post a a standalone intervention, the benefits that we achieve with pulmonary rehab typically wane. Uh, And this is similar with any medical uh, prescription. Uh, The adherence of the patient is really crucial to maintain benefits. So the purpose of self-management is to allow us to teach the patient these appropriate and necessary interventions within the pulmonary rehab intervention, but to persist in those behaviors to foster those benefits long-term. So it's only when people change their behavior can we expect to see outcomes and healthy behaviors persist long-term. And that's what we want in order to reduce mortality, reduce hospitalizations, um, improve those patients' quality of life.
0: Boy, yeah, the self-management interventions seem like they're not solely limited to pulmonary rehabilitation, but I can certainly see how critical they would be to the, the same goals as pulmonary rehabilitation.
1: Right. I mean, self-management, you know, is certainly not confined to pulmonary rehab. It is part of the management of many chronic diseases, and the literature is replete with uh, self-management programs in all sorts of chronic diseases. I think for those of us in pulmonary rehabilitation, what we appreciate is uh, pulmonary rehab is the, you know, is is a perfect atmosphere or climate to do self-management because we're with these patients in a group setting where they can learn from both the multidisciplinary staff and the other patients in the program. We have time with them. They're often with us two to three times a week for a prolonged period of time. So it really is one of the ideal settings for successful self-management. Absolutely.
0: Well, so And then, of course, you've, you've touched on this a bit as well, that in pulmonary rehab, we cover so many aspects of people's lives, so what areas should we be thinking about applying self-management interventions um, to in order to help patients change their behavior and their functioning?
1: So for those of us that treat chronic respiratory disease, and I'll maybe uh, talk about COPD right now because it is a very good prototype of a chronic respiratory disease, you know, the areas where self-management interventions can be so important um, are with the self-recognition and treatment of exacerbations using action plans. We know that's been highly successful and really impacts on the trajectory of disease and and the other really important place is in, in the in the maintenance of physical activity. I mean we know again those of us that do pulmonary rehab that. You know, we're highly successful at improving patients' exercise capacity, but that doesn't always translate to improved physical activity, and physical activity is one of those markers of health, and, you know, decreased physical activity is so clearly related to things like mortality, hospitalizations, poor health-related quality of life. So I would say that the the two most really important places for self-management strategies and effective self-management for that patient are in the action plans and in the maintenance of Physical activity. There are other places like smoking cessation, healthy diet, you know, medication adherence, Um, but I think those are sort of part and parcel of chronic disease management. But the physical activity and the exacerbation really seem to be very pertinent to the patient with chronic respiratory disease.
0: Sure. Yeah, and people work so hard within pulmonary rehab to, say, increase their physical activity level, but Right. Both clinical practice and the research is full of examples of that just being hard to maintain long term. And so you know, self-management interventions really seem like a, a key piece because of the relatively short term nature of pulmonary rehab you know, relative to the person's lifespan, for sure.
1: Right, right. And, you know, we we are somewhat limited. I mean, we can't keep people in pulmonary rehab forever, although some of us would say that would be awesome. Um, You know, what we want to do is have that, develop that relationship with patients, hopefully that team or a team that, you know, the primary care team or the the pulmonary team can continue that relationship with that patient and build on what was learned in pulmonary rehab. Um, And there are some really interesting studies out now looking at how to maintain physical activity with really unique things like like you know iphone pedometer measurements and 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 health coaching and ways that we can just you know briefly interact with that patient consistently throughout that disease process to kind of remind them and and reevaluate and reassess what they're doing and how they're doing. And if you think about it, it's just good medical care. Um, And, you know, the thought that any intervention that is finite would be effective long-term is is pretty ridiculous. Um, And I don't think that's unique to pulmonary rehab, in fact. I think that's the, the case with any medical intervention. So we're just trying to develop lifelong healthy behaviors, and this is certainly one of the ways that we can promote those
0: yeah um, as with any behavior change, um, it seems particularly important to match the intervention with where the patient is at in the process of making a change. Um, so how do you determine whether an individual patient is ready for one or more of these interventions?
1: yeah, that that is really important because you know doing an intervention for a patient who's not receptive and not ready. Um, is is really not only inefficient but can actually uh, make it unsuccessful down the line. So patients, especially patients with cr- older patients with a chronic medical uh, condition, are not always motivated or willing to follow medical advice, um, even when we think the benefits are obvious. So patients you know adhere to to, to what we recommend based on a lot of things you know their their, their social situation, their emotional situation, the factors that go into their cultural beliefs, their, you know, their past life experience. So what you really want to do is try to see where that patient is, both in the trajectory of their disease and the knowledge of their disease. That's where education comes in. And then try to find out where they are in their ability to accept the, the work that's needed to be done to develop strategies, because the strategies are going to come from that interaction between the healthcare provider and the patient. We are not going to be delivering, you know, a, a piece of paper that gives them the rules. This is rules. These are these are strategies that they have to be able to organically um, work with and, and be able to implement and adapt their behavior to. So, some of it is us just finding out more about the patient, where they are in their disease, how much they know about their disease, how much they know about the benefits of certain treatments, the detrimental effects of not doing certain things, and then really just assessing their 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 place. There's this, it's, it's a stages of change model. So what you, you know, similar to what we've all learned, you know, those of us that have been doing pulmonary medicine for a while, you know, sort of know how with smokers, you want to find out where they are because trying to do a quit attempt is not going to happen unless that patient is ready and this is very similar so the stages of change model sort of you know talks about these these stages one is pre-contemplative you know, they're really even unaware of the problem. Then contemplative where they're kind of aware of the problem and they know there has to be behavior change. Then the preparation stage where they're actually sort of maybe starting to do baby steps, thinking about what needs to be done. Then the action stage where they're actually doing, practicing the behavior. And then maintenance when they're, you know, they've been successful and now they need that maybe coaching and reminders. So if you're, if you're in clinical practice, I mean, obviously, you're not going to talk about them in those terms, but you may say to that patient, you know, would you say you're, you're not ready to change in the next six months? And that would be pre-contemplative. Um, would you, do you think you're thinking about changing in the next six months? And that would be contemplative. Um, Have you been thinking about changing in the next month? And that's really getting closer, so that's preparation. Um, Have you already made some progress? They might actually be within an action phase. Um, So so asking that question sets you up for success because if they're not anywhere near an action, then maybe what you need to do is continue to bring this up maybe multiple times during the pulmonary rehab process, maybe as you see them in an outpatient setting. Um, Because, again, if you try to – start to do things like self management interventions in a patient that is not ready, it's going to be not only less effective, but it may be very counterproductive.
0: Yeah, you're really highlighting here the importance of asking questions, listening to the answers, and if the person doesn't find that behavior change meaningful and, and they're not or if they're not ready to make that change, then you're just not in a place to to undertake a self management intervention is that am I hearing that right
1: yeah, no that's exactly it I, I think it is you know I think uh, part of the the onus on us is to you know take our medical expert hat off. And become a coach. Right? We, we really want to see where that patient is, how we can assist them. Because if again, if the if the strategies and the process don't come organically from the patient, they're not likely to be successful. So, so we really, you know, we have to be, you know, active listeners and really question and probe and sort of try to understand it is you know it's really complex i mean you know we for for in the early days of pulmonary rehab you know we sort of looked at education and learning in the you know in the paradigm of the of the child or the young adult that go to school and sit there in a lecture And we've become very aware that that is just not what happens with our adult learners. And our adult learners with chronic disease that might have cognitive or psychological issues that, you know, are going to impact on their ability to even absorb any information. So we really, you know, a lot of this is us trying to become a very different type of teacher, um, that we may not, we may or may not be comfortable being because it's not what how we learned. So that's that's really a challenge for all of us.
0: Sure, this, we're we're doing the, this intervention with the patient, not to the patient.
1: Correct. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely, it's a team. It's a team effort in, in the best sense of the word.
0: So, Linda, I think it might be helpful, you know, for any listeners who maybe aren't already familiar with um, self-management interventions to have an example. Can you give us just a a general idea of how something like this would go, whether it's related to physical activities or uh, putting together an action plan?
1: Sure, sure. So so action plans um, I think we can all relate to. Um, we know that uh, COPD exacerbations are so bad for the patient's overall health and the trajectory of the disease. Um, the challenge is um, it often takes the patient going through an exacerbation in order to have that sort of desire to formulate a plan and also the practice to make that plan work. So typically what you would do is the patient, say the patient comes into the office or comes into the rehab program after having had an exacerbation. I mean, the first thing you want to talk to that patient about is, you know, what were the signs and symptoms? Can you, often patients, because they have chronic symptoms, have a very difficult time trying to determine what's different and is it different enough? Enough that this could be an exacerbation. So a lot of this it has to be self-reflection. And often we ask patients to keep diaries of their symptoms. How do I feel when I wake up? What's my worst time of the day? What's my level of shortness of breath for an average good day versus an average not so good day? And then also once they recognize there's a change in their symptoms, do they persist? Because as we know, with, especially with something like COPD, symptoms ebb and flow the whole day long. So the first part of the self-management intervention is just having that patient, you know, think about what their symptom burden is, how it might change, how they might recognize the exacerbation, which is sort of really, really important. Once they recognize it, what is the best course of action that they should take? Now, that really is individualized. It depends on that patient. Some patients may just be able to use more rescue inhaler and monitor themselves, Some patients may be so fragile that they might have to actually call their health care provider immediately to sort of have that give and take. Do you think this is something I need to go to the emergency room for? What do you think I need to do? And then some patients who are very far along in their self-management abilities can actually implement an action plan that might involve Self-medicating. So they may have a prescription for prednisone or a prescription for antibiotics that they can take when they've verified with themselves through that working of, you know, that, that feedback and that readjusting and that recognition of those symptoms. And all of those, any of those things are totally fine and they may actually change during that trajectory of that disease. So initially when the patient is not so severely impaired, They may be able to self-medicate, but as that patient gets more fragile, they may have to engage the healthcare provider. And I think part of that self-management intervention and part of the learning of those self-management strategies for the patient is to have that point person. So there needs to be someone that they can uh, contact if needed, talk to about their symptoms, and decide what to do. And then once that plan is done and the patient is better, there's sort of like a debriefing that has to go on. So the patient and the provider need to talk about, did this work? Was this a successful action plan? Was this course of action? uh, Did you feel like this course of action helped you the most? What can we do differently? What can we do better? So it's a continual process of give and take. There are some dogmatic instructions that are given, but they can always change depending on where that patient is, both in their understanding of their disease, the medical issues related to their disease, and their social situation. If they live alone, it may be very different than if they have family with them. So that would be sort of the kinds of ways you would look at a self-management intervention surrounding the action plan.
0: That's really helpful. Thank you. And, And I'm impressed with, you know, from the beginning, you're really describing a a quite complex process of partnering with the patient. You said at the beginning, and I wrote it down on my notepad here because I wanted to remember it. That you're identifying a patient who's in a situation where they have both the the desire to improve in their self-management and and the practice that they need to be able to make good on that. And and then, yeah, and then you you've really described a really Terrific example of, of partnering with the patient where they 're at, and it sounds like a lot of problem solving and having a relationship of trust with the patient as well over a long period of
1: time. I might also mention that you know not all patients can self manage so about forty to sixty percent of patients with COB are effective self managers so I think the other thing that I, I I would like to mention to the to the audience is that. You know, there are some patients that just can't do this and we also have to understand that. So obviously we want the best care for our patients. But if a patient is really unable to effectively implement those strategies, we need to, un- we need to know that and we need to respond to that appropriately too. And in those cases, you know, we have other strategies, right? We can, in- we can employ uh, family members, uh, friends of the patient to help sort of oversee their care or help them in their care. There also may be uh, case managers that can call certain patients on a, a regular basis to check in. So I think, you know, as important as it is for us to foster self-management in patients, we have to recognize that there are a subset of patients that just for whatever reason cannot effectively self-manage. And in fact, you know, we would worry that we might do them harm by giving them too much independence on managing their health. So I think it is you know, hopefully going to be a smaller and smaller subset of our patients, but we do have to recognize that that's a possibility.
0: Yeah, that either they aren't able to effectively self-manage um, their COPD or other chronic respiratory illness, or we just haven't figured out the right way yet to help them get there.
1: I think that's a really good point. I think that's absolutely true. I think this is an evolving area of our knowledge base. So yes, um, we should always strive to get the most effective strategies that we can try to implement, but um, just always make sure that we feel the patient is uh, competent enough to do these these adaptive behaviors. For clinicians
0: who want to learn more about how to effectively coach their patients with COPD to increase their self-management skills, what advice do you have for them?
1: Yeah, I think you know I, I think we have to be uh, very humble and realize that this is not something we've been trained in, or at least those of us that have been doing this. I mean, maybe in uh, competencies may be coming out for pulmonary rehab providers in the future, and I look forward to something like that where this is really part of the education process of healthcare providers that Do pulmonary rehab. But for those of us who have been doing this, it is really a whole new set of skills, and it may indeed be a set of skills that we're not comfortable with. So the first thing I would say is be kind to yourself and be willing to learn, be a learner yourself. And I think we need to rely on our colleagues that know things about motivational interviewing, um, our psychologists, our social workers, and educators. You know, the one thing that, you know, we, we did a workshop in 2018 um, uh, during, during the ATS on, on education in pulmonary rehab, and we talked a lot about learning from the educators, how to develop good learning strategies, how to understand our learners. So I think it needs time. It needs practice. We need to engage our colleagues to teach us. As I said earlier, I think we have to take our medical expert hat off and have a coaching hat on. Um, And we need to listen, pay attention to the patient's contextual factors, what goes into their belief system, how they see their disease. And then, you know, we we have to use open-ended questions. Uh, it's called reflexive listening. Um, so you can, when you're when you're listening in a very open way, the patient feels validated and the patient can share concerns. I mean, the obstacles to get them to adapt healthy behaviors are very significant to that patient. So we have to validate them understand them. And then, you know, the sharing and and asking patients for feedback. So it's a constant uh, ebb and flow, give and take between the patient and the healthcare provider. And I think, you know, we are all sort of learning this on the fly, so to speak, because we've really appreciated that this is so necessary if pulmonary rehab really is to reach the goal of persistent, long-term benefits. Um, And I I think I'm I'm looking forward to a time where we actually have educators help us do this and help us participate in our own learning to be able to do self-management. And and I will actually make the distinction. The self-management intervention is what we do. Self-management is what the patient does. So, you know, the terms are are important to distinguish.
0: Great. Yeah, that's um, probably probably... Plenty to work on to get started,
1: isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And And, you know, we we've actually um, formed a a self management working group within the Pulmonary Rehab Assembly uh, at ATS, and part of the part of the reason for that was to sort of try to think of how we get the skills needed, because you know we've all gotten really good at the exercise component of pulmonary rehab. I mean, the literature is just, you know, vast and very strong, and, you know, the, the, the nuances and the and the tweaking of the exercise component is really gratifying to see. But the other half of rehab, the, the education and the self-management, really needs that same amount of attention, and we really have to think about what we're doing, and we have to be kind to ourselves in that we really we need to learn how to do this in an effective way. And that's, again, not something that most of us have been trained in.
0: Absolutely. Well, Dr. Nietzsche, on on behalf of myself and the Pulmonary Rehabilitation Assembly Web Committee, thanks for this overview of self-management for people with COPD. Um, I've enjoyed it and I'm I'm looking forward to more discussions on this really important topic. There's, again, there's a whole lot more to explore here.
1: Thank you, Rachel. I I really appreciated the time and, and I look forward to more discussions.
0: And then thank you also to our listeners. I hope that you enjoyed it too. Until next time.